Welcome to the Traveling On Radio Show, your premier source for travel news and information, featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, the Traveling On Radio Show on TalkZone.com. And good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on the Traveling On Radio Show. We're your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we are broadcasting live from our studios right outside our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And I was just thinking, honey, we should have an Irish jig. Yeah, and also rain gear today here in, <laughs> here in Washington. It's uh, it's actually become pretty gray and fall-like here in, right in the midst of springtime. But in any event, uh, we are going to be returning to Ireland today to discover some hidden gems, explore the off-beaten-path attractions, and play some golf, literally, on the many links courses on the Emerald Isle with Ireland aficionado and tour guide extraordinaire and good friend Will Collins. Then we'll get an update on the Green Dragon, Ireland's entry in this year's Volvo Ocean Race and the festivities that are taking place in Galway. And then finally, we will explore Ireland's contributions to the arts and its culture with Damien O'Brien of Tourism Ireland. So if you'd like to join in on the conversation, call our studio line at 888-463-6748. That's 888 Go for it. But before we get started, I just want to remind you guys, you know, we did uh, when we were in New Orleans uh, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, really, we launched our TV channel. And actually, we have some videos of uh, photo videos that we created um, during our trip to uh, Ireland. And so we invite you to view those and certainly comment on them and join uh, join us uh, on our social uh, networks, Facebook and Twitter, and sign up for our newsletter. And you can do all that good stuff at our website at traveln-on.com. And incidentally, in a couple more weeks, we're hitting the road again, and we'll be broadcasting live from the Kalahari Resort in Sandusky, Ohio, which is America's largest water park. And it's really the coolest place. And um, of course, we were able to get a secure rate for those in our Traveling On family who want to travel with us and join in on the live broadcast. And there is information um, about the uh, the rate and, and booking information and all that good stuff on our website as well at traveln-on.com. But uh, as we've been talking, you know, we spent a couple of uh, a very enjoyable week in Ireland a couple of weeks ago. And really just toured a small section of the country. And honestly, I don't think this hour-long show is going to do even that small section that we toured any justice. But during the week, we were privileged to uh, spend some time with our next guest, Will Collins, who uh, is um, really brought uh, Ireland's history to light. And uh, we're going to do that for you today. And Will joins us from Ireland now, probably with Guinness in hand. And I'd like to extend a hearty tw- traveling on welcome. Hey, Will. How you doing, Tanya? Welcome. To hey, Ireland. Will. Now, Hello, do you me. have Guinness in hand, Will? I don't have Guinness in hand, but I have something very close <laughs> to Guinness. Um, <laughs> white wine, a Chardonnay, if that's any help. <laughs> oh, well, you, you, you didn't let us down. That was our expectation. So. People forget Ireland's wonderful heritage with wine as well. You know, we have a great history here with wine, you know, so it's not like it's an old uh, or a new drink, um, uh, it, and Guinness is an old drink, but we, we've been drinking wine here for a long time. Oh, well, see, that's a no- whole other show we're going to have to, to yeah, do exactly. and, and talk about and, and really. But yeah, for, for me, you know, again, that was a surprise that you just shared. But Ireland was a country of many surprises for, for both Ian and I. And, you know, from its rich history to the natural wonders and hidden gems and starting with, you know, even some of the historical figures. And you were such a storyteller 
during that week, you know, you talked about uh, figures like Shackelford and Tom Cream and uh, Captain Boycott, people who really kind of helped shape the country. And I wanted to just ask you to, to share a little bit about those individuals uh, with our listening audience. Yeah, Tom Crean was was an Irishman. He came from uh, from uh, uh, where it was Anscall in County Kerry, mm-hmm. and uh, he would um, he went on many expeditions. But uh, yes, he went on Shackleton's expedition, and he was involved in some dramatic um, um, escape, if you like, from from the, the perishing conditions um, by rowing in a rowboat. Him and a number of other individuals over eight hundred miles to safety, and uh, they said a feat that was could never be completed again. But uh, he did make it back to Ireland and settled here once again. Yeah, minus a number of toes and uh, I think a bit frostbitten, but uh, you know, Ireland has a great uh, has, has contributed greatly, if you like, uh, to the um, to development of the the new world, the, the mm-hmm. discovery of the source of the Nile. That was, um, of course, a Scotsman, um, but uh, had uh, some Irish explorers alongside. People like Tom Tom Parks were involved in in that particular expedition to the source of the Nile. So we've always been seafarers and people who wanted to travel from this country. And and really, you know, given the these stories, I mean, the one thing I I love about Ireland is that um, from our experience, you know, I think individuals like yourself and you know others and just you know just citizens really try to keep that history alive. And so there there are places where uh, people can go to really kind of experience these individuals' uh, lives and 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 learn about them. Well, the story of Tom Crean is told very well in the Kerry County Museum, um, which is the Thomas Ashe Memorial Hall in Tralee in County Kerry. And, of course, in his own um, uh, town of Anaskal as well, there's memorabilia there. The, the South Pole Inn is a lovely little pub there. And if any of your listeners are traveling towards Dingle and they get thirsty on the way there, they could have a very good Guinness um, on their way down to, uh, to, to Dingle. But uh, yes, Tom Crean is, is well remembered. Uh, our Natural History Museum, too, uh, carries information on people like Tom Crean and Tom Parks um, and people like that. But it does, uh, Ireland does have a wonderful tradition in, in world discovery and exploration. Now, well, one of the things that uh, we came to appreciate is just how close the uh, United States and Ireland are in terms of their culture, their history. We had a chance to talk to you about, uh, about the potato famine and, and really began to understand that in a much different context in terms of, of how that became a way to bring strong Irishmen and, and their families to the United States to really help build this country uh, two centuries ago. And it was really interesting just, just to hear that and even – touring Ireland and seeing the many towns and villages that harken back to places that are very reminiscent, uh, particularly in the eastern United States, it's very easy for for an American to feel at home in Ireland. Well, absolutely. I mean, um, the, the Irish connection with the United States is, is, is one that many people who come here who may, might not have an Irish connection, but when they get here, they learn uh, from the States just how much of a connection there is between the two countries. I mean, I think the statistic of about 44 million Americans have Irish roots, you know, which is a, quite a staggering chunk of the population in America. And, um, you know, when you look at the, the events that led to mass immigration from Ireland, the, the potato famine in the 1840s, um, that was a very defining moment for American history as well, because the, 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 the exodus of people out of Ireland in search of a new life 
of a better life because of the failure of the potato crop at the time um, led to many of the Irish getting involved in the building of the great cities of America today. You know, So that's where the influence has come and we brought with us to America music and traditions, even Cajun music is heavily peppered with, uh, with Irish traditional music. You know, So the influences are there very strong already in the States. But it's when you come here to Ireland you just realise how many great um, uh, presidents of America, for example, mm-hmm. uh, would have had Irish roots from Ulysses Grant right through to uh, John John F. Kennedy. Reagan has a connection. Even Obama has a connection today as well with um, with Tumavara in County Offaly here in the in the heart of Ireland. You know, so the connections are extremely strong. Indeed, and you know, with with uh, with a name like Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, but I, I'm I'm a Cunningham by <laughs> by maternal birth. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's definitely we we can attest that there's certainly a, a connection. But you know, Ireland. What I did expect, and I mentioned, you know, Ireland was a country of surprises for me. Um, what I did expect, and I received. Um, were you know, to I enjoy was able to enjoy were able to enjoy a lot of the the natural beauty of Ireland and of course everyone visualizes Ireland um, uh, with rolling green hills and you know and actually it was so much more than that I, the the cliffs uh, the the Crag Cave where we uh, visited um, you know these beautiful natural wonders that that were were discovered uh not too long ago i'm referring mostly to the cave um but but ireland has i mean there's there's a lot of these peppered throughout the country a lot of these types of uh beautiful attractions kind of peppered throughout the country aren't aren't there that's correct, Tanya. Ireland's a very easy country to, um, to to travel in because there's nothing boring about any direction you head in, whether it's the east, north, south, or west. Which, no matter what direction you go in, there's interesting history standing nearby in ancient castles and towers and abbeys and churches and monasteries. And there's the beauty of the countryside, and that's why when the visitor comes here, and, and, and I've seen this in my many years of working with people coming to Ireland, is they just fall in love with the sheer beauty of the place, the greenness of the place, and how... Everything, including people's, um, as, as you say in the States, yards, we say gardens, but how much particular attention people pay to how their outside of their homes look and that, you know, everything is very green here. It's very lush and it's very easy to grow here, um, uh, to, to grow vegetables, to grow crops, to uh, just about everything grows in this very mild, um, although sometimes wet climate that we have. But, uh, you know, it is an easy country to fall in love with because it is a romantic country. And you'll understand when you come here why the Irish are so in love with their country. And when many Irish left during the potato famine and that, why they yearned for, for, to one day maybe be able to return home. Of course, many didn't. But many people who I've met down through the years, it's been a, a romantic voyage for them back into this country to, to discover their roots or to just come and see this place. They've heard so many people talk about over the years. Now, Tanya talked about the uh, just the wealth and, and, and breadth of, of attractions and, 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 and just how those are so accessible because the uh, country is, is, is rather compact compared to a vast place like the United States or, or larger countries like Canada. But one of the great things about that, and, and we had a chance to talk to you about this, is that when it comes to cuisine and, and food in Ireland, you you get the benefit of having things that are fresh, and that's not always the case in a, in a lot of developed places. And I think that's one of the great things about Ireland that really brings you so close to nature through so many things, whether it's visiting uh, the great out, outdoors or having wonderful cuisine on your plate. 
Well, yeah, we do have, well, we're very fortunate here. We can buy very fresh food um, very locally. And it's because um, Ireland is such a small country, but a very highly productive uh, country in terms of food output. And it's the quality of that food as well. So our restaurants and um, our bars, and no matter where you eat in Ireland, you'll find the food quality is very, very, very good. And it's down to the quality of the food that we produce here in in uh, this very lush and green island. But uh, the variety of food as well. Um, as in the boom years, as Ireland grew, and um, you know we invested a lot in our tourism products and uh, places to visit and see. But um, the restaurant industry grew here significantly as well. And uh, we Irish, you know, we, we've produced um, a, quite a collection of very fine chefs as well as uh, a very interesting... Um, people often ask me, well, what is Irish cuisine? What is Irish food? And I go, well, you know, everybody goes bacon and cabbage or corned beef and cabbage, Irish stew. And yes, these are all the kind of core dishes that we as kids would have grown up in the in the, in the 70s and 80s here in Ireland but kind of the state of diet if you like but uh, we've taken all our food so much further now because we have such a high quality of food and uh, so much can be done with it so many chefs are now fusing different uh, flavours from overseas uh, with, with Irish food and uh, it means when you go into a restaurant or a bar or anywhere to eat that you really do get a wonderful choice and as, as you can testify from your trip here recently uh, the quality is exceptional Oh, it's tremendous, and and thanks to you guys, I think I gained half a stone <laughs> during during that week, a good seven pounds or so during that week we were there. Um, before we go out to to break, uh, well, I just wanted to touch on you know the 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 accommodations that are available. I mean, we stayed in a variety of places, from a castle to a manor um, to a real funky ho- uh, a hotel. Um, I believe it was in Galway, the the G Hotel. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to give people the, the uh, understanding that Ireland actually is a very affordable destination. I mean, there's a lot of reasonable accommodations, but accommodations for, for all budgets, really. That's correct. And, and you'll find that uh, not just accommodation for all budgets, but very, very good standards and accommodation. And, um, you know, uh, people have over the years asked me about uh, the Irish B&B, the bed and breakfast scene, you know, like what are they like? And you can stay in B&Bs and meet local families and all that. And it, as in the last number of years, we've invested extremely heavily in the hotel industry here in this country. And now today we have just a huge variety of hotels from your, your two-star, three-star, through to the five-stars. And as you stated in, in a few of those wonderful, um, as you say, castles and manors, it does, it, 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 Ireland can meet all pockets and all budgets, and you'll find accommodation is always readily available. And if they don't have any for you, they'll find somebody who does, and uh, it's very helpful. We have a very, very fine um, hotel industry here, with uh, which is, um, as I say, the investment in recent years has brought standards. Um, to say the Irish hotels are possibly the best in Europe in terms of the value for money and the the fact that many of them are new builds as well. You can go back to your old build hotels, which are the, the likes of Adair Manor, the Ashford mm-hmm. Castle where we stayed, uh, the G in Galway with its very funky and very unusual Philip Tracy designs. You have the Dillon Hotel in Dublin, which is an absolutely wonderful boutique hotel, wonderful for its um, romantic atmosphere that it possesses. And um, you could possibly meet some one or two fairly famous movie stars or, or rock stars or somebody in there. It's a very, very interesting hotel. And uh, just a hotel industry by and large here in Ireland has, has grown so much with wonderful facilities, fine, spacious mm-hmm. rooms and, um, you know, and modern facilities and, of course, packed full of Irish staff as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break, uh, Will, and I know you're going to stay with us as our, as our honor 
honorary co-host uh, during uh, the show, during the hour. And uh, when we come back, we're going to find out what's going on with the uh, festival in Galway and uh, where the Green Dragon yacht is. And, That's and the right, all about the Volvo race. Ocean Race. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. You're listening to the Traveling On Radio Show with your host, Tanya Ian Fitzpatrick. And if you have a question, of course, for any of our guests, call us on our guest line at 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT. We'll see you on the other side of this break. FranzWorldTravel.com is the premier internet travel destination, offering you the best travel values for all your travel needs. Not only can you book the basics in travel, such as flights, rental cars, and hotels, but think of us when you're planning a cruise. A complete vacation package, registering for your honeymoon, or searching for those last-minute travel deals. Unlike the other online booking sites, BronzeWorldTravel.com does not compromise customer service. Backed by a team of seasoned travel professionals and a nationally rated agency, at BronzeWorldTravel.com there is always someone available to answer your questions. We have so many great travel deals that you'll make us your first choice when it comes to travel. Visit BronzeWorldTravel.com today and discover the best values in travel. That's B-R-O-N-Z-E WorldTravel.com. BronzeWorldTravel.com, where we celebrate life through travel. Every hour of every day, an American is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. MS typically strikes between the ages of 16 and 50 when people are building careers and raising families. Today, there is no known cause or cure for MS. To learn more about this unpredictable disease, to volunteer, or to make a contribution to this important mission, please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS. You can make a difference by helping us stop this devastating disease. Please call one 800 Fight MS today. Thank you. Where can you book all of your travel needs at the best price? Purchase the latest travel gear and get the most current and comprehensive travel news and information? Travelinon.com. That's travelin-on.com. Whether you're a seasoned traveler, novice, or whether you're planning a long trip or looking for a weekend getaway, travelinon.com has the tools to complete your travel plans. Go to TravelInOn.com. That's TravelIn-On.com, the traveler's best resource. We're just a lot of talk. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for your further listening pleasure, TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. This is the Traveling On Radio Show, bringing you a world of travel news and information. Once again, let's join your hosts, Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. And welcome back to the Traveling On Radio Show with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick here, enjoying a little bit of music from Quebec, the featured CD for this month from Punta Mayo, the official music sponsor of the Traveling On Radio Show. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest information on the show and our travels. And as you know, we are headed next month to Sandusky, Ohio, to the Kalahari Resort. Uh, there in Sandusky, one of the great water parks in the United States. 
You can follow us and learn more about all of that stuff by going to www.travelin-on.com. And we come back with Will Collins. And, Will, we're going to spend some time talking more about uh, southwestern Ireland uh, pretty much for uh, golfers who, 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 uh, who come into Ireland and, and uh, travelers to that part of uh, the country. Uh, uh, talk to us about, about southwestern Ireland. It's, it's got some great attractions such as the Ring of Kerry and the uh, Cliffs of Moher, just to name a few. What, what makes that such a special part of Ireland in your opinion? Well, Ian, I've worked over the years with many golfers coming into Ireland and uh, coming from the U.S. in particular, you know, on golf trips. And it's been a blend of golf and food and enjoyment and the bars at night with the music and everything like that. But what's most people that, that, I've, uh, that I've met and introduced to new courses here in this country are just blown away by the sheer beauty and how natural so many of our courses are. Um, you can look at our links course collection. Now, I've heard the statistic that there's 153 links courses worldwide, and 53 of those are actually in Ireland, um, which stands to reason because we have 2,500 miles of coastline and much of it peppered with these lovely sand dunes and that, which we've developed into some of the world's most interesting golf courses like Ballybunion, um, Old Head Kinsale, Dukes, uh, Dune Beg, one of the great um, um, additions to the, the recent collection of, of great Irish golf courses. But definitely when the visitor comes into the southwest, easy access through Shannon Airport, the hotels, the choices from Adair Manor to Dremolin Castle, to the city centre hotels at Limerick, like the Hilton and the Marriott, yeah, and down to Kerry, which is only like an hour and a half drive from Limerick down to the southwest. Beautiful drive down into the town of Killarney, where you can just base yourself there and from there. Uh, the golf courses that can be hit quite easily, like the the, the world famous, as I mentioned already, Ballybunion, but also Waterville, where I know Tiger Woods and Mark O'Mara, and indeed Payne Stewart, the late Payne Stewart, used to spend a lot of time there. In fact, there's a statue of Payne Stewart there today at the gate as you go in, uh, just to remember him. And um, it's just a collection of golf courses. And I'm a golfer myself, and I live here in the southwest. So I'm very, very lucky. I can go 20 minutes over the road and be in Adair. And yet around me here, too, there are several public courses. There are other private membership courses. Uh, we've got a wonderful place called Ballyneasy, um, uh, which is uh, such a, a, a challenge of a course that uh, they put the suggestion box uh, for those golfers visiting the course in the middle of a lake. In other words, they, they ain't going to reach those. <laughs> so it's, a, it's <laughs> very, very, you've got such, no matter where you are in Ireland, I, I know this country inside out, but no matter where you are, there's a golf course less than a half an hour away from you. Uh, we take it quite seriously here. Yeah. I guess you guys do. And, you know, it almost sounds like the my home state, the state of Michigan, where, you know, you're uh, you're ever so close to an inland lake, you know. So, um, yeah. But, uh, well, uh, we were just trying to uh, reach uh, Maria Moynihan Lee with the um, uh, Volvo Ocean Race uh, Festival and uh, having a little bit of uh, uh, difficulty reaching her. So perhaps you know and you can tell us because you're ever so knowing how, <laughs> <laughs> how the Green Dragon is doing. How the green, I think the Green Dragon, Dragon is in seventh place as far as I'm aware. That was the last report I got. Um, she's still floating and she's still heading this direction. So, um, But it's in overall seventh place. Um, but I mean, I don't think places in this race really matter when you look at the sheer... Uh, 
task that that these these sailors have taken upon themselves to sail around the world to to, to and cross the Atlantic in the last week or so from from Boston over here to Ireland um, is quite a feat. It's extraordinary, you know. And of course, following in the in the tracks of um, of Saint Brendan, of course, the navigator. And I'm sure many people are amused when they think Christopher Columbus discovered America. But it was probably an Irishman called Saint Brendan who probably did it about five or six hundred years before Christopher Columbus did it. You know, so um, we do have that great tradition of sailing. Now, the events around the around the, the Volvo Ocean Race, of course, are all based in the city of Galway, which is one mm-hmm. of our finest cities, and as we call it here in Ireland, the capital of culture. And mm-hmm. seven nights a week, Galway is a party city, steep yeah. history. <laughs> Wonderful collection of pubs and restaurants and wonderful people. I must say that they're amongst the most friendliest people you'll meet anywhere in the world. And that's where the, the Volvo Ocean Race is going to base itself now for the next two weeks. Um, mm. We know we've got good weather on the way, too. Our weather has improved significantly in the last number of weeks. But we do know that the predictions for the beginning of June and that are actually quite good. And we've got a big bank holiday weekend coming up next weekend. So I think always going to be the place to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when Maria was on our show um, a few weeks ago and we were in Ireland you know, she she kind of described all of the activities going on at the, the Docklands. And, you know, we know there's been a lot of um, development uh, uh, around the, the Docklands uh, in, in preparation for this festival. But I'm curious, what is going to happen to um, to the area after the festival ends? Will, well, will development continue or? I'm amused at your at your question, Tanya, because uh, Galway will party on. We have have the Galway Arts Festival, which uh, combined to become one of the best festivals in the country. And if you like your horse racing, Ballybrit and Galway is the place to be during the uh, the race week. Um, And um, of course, that 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 closely ties in with the Arts Festival, which takes place. And I've been to the Arts Festival on several occasions. I was very fortunate to be staying in the heart of the city during the. Arts Festival, and it is just another world. You, you get performances coming from all over the world, performing on the streets. Um, you know, I, I, I witnessed the Scottish Pipe Band doing a competition with uh, um, a bongo band from, from South Africa, and um, they ended up forming an alliance that produced some of the most unusual music you've ever heard. But uh, it is just an extraordinary city, extraordinary place to be. And with the Volvo Ocean Race coming here, um, um, to Galway, it's it's going to make Galway just an extra buzz this summer um, compared to previous summers. But it is one of those cities that we Irish people go to for weekend breaks ourselves, and uh, that I think is the acid test of any place that you want. You know, that do the locals like to go there? And yes, we do. We love that city. <laughs> and well, joining us also from uh, Galway right now is Maria Moynihan Lee, the director of the Volvo Ocean Race Festival. And Marie, uh, Will has been uh, telling us about some of the uh, pre-race uh, preparations that are taking place in Galway and just waxing eloquently, as he always does, about anything Ireland. And uh, he has really put the imprimatur on Galway as a city that knows how to throw a party. Tell us how the uh, festivities and the planning are coming along at this point. It's it's going incredibly well, beyond all expectations. We're four days in now, and we've got 10 days to go. And mm-hmm. already we've had 75,000 people come through the race village, the, the tent village that we have built um, around the docks area in Galway City, right in the heart of the city. And we had an incredible uh, phenomenon happened on Saturday night going into Sunday morning. The boats, as boats will do, they're driven by the wind, so they, decide, they arrive when the wind decides. 
And the arrival time became 4 a.m. into Galway. And if you can imagine, 10,000 people at 4 a.m. <laughs> gathered on the quayside. It has, it has never happened before. And we were the headline news the next day for, for all of that. I'm sorry about the background noise. Uh, Lucia Evans is just about to come on stage. Can you ah. Well, hey, it, it just adds to the excitement of live radio, and it, it just uh, gives us a, a sense of the flavoring and the excitement there in Galway. And uh, uh, Let me go somewhere quieter. <laughs> no, no worries. We like the ambient noises. And, you know, as you're talking, I was just thinking, uh, uh, you know, Will had made a comment that uh, Galway is a party city, kind of like the New Orleans, I suppose, of uh, of America. And uh, and so those folks out there at 4 a.m. In the, in the morning, that was probably, you know, kind of a standard, you know, common practice. Yes. I mean, if, if, if ever anybody was in any doubt as to whether Galway was a party city or not. I think we've proven the case this, this weekend. <laughs> so, 75,000 people in four days. So we reckon we're going to make about 300,000 over the wow, that's, fortnight. And you know, it's that's incredible. crowded or anything. It's a really comfortable, relaxed atmosphere. There's so much to see and do. It takes about two hours to get around to just scope out the place. And uh, people just keep coming back. Now, now, for those who have uh, never been to Galway, uh, try to give them a, a, a visual image uh, through words of, of how this harbor is. It's, it's a very unique harbor and that it tends to look back upon itself. So it's easy to see the ships as they're in port and you've got these grand vistas, these, uh, these grand long walks along the docklands and a promenade that just really add to the uh, majesty for the ships and, and, and for the harbor itself. Yes, I mean, uh, Galway is just a city of 70,000 people. And we should, you know, this shouldn't be happening here. It's not <laughs> an ocean race when it uh, travels around the world. It goes to places like, like Boston or um, Rio de Janeiro or Qingdao in China, places with millions and millions of people and all of the infrastructure to go along with it. But for some reason, we seem to have... Uh, that type of resourcefulness just to say, can do, yeah, we're going to make this happen. And um, that's really what's happened in this case. But it, it is a beautiful place. And I can say that with and without bias. With, uh, it, it has, um, it has uh, I suppose, it's such a name for being a creative place. And mm-hmm. one of the events that we have during, during the festival, it's, it's a fringe event. We have 27 different art exhibitions happening, uh, coinciding with the festival. And they're all uh, uh, all maritime and sailing themes. Mm. Now, Maria, before we, I think we have a couple of minutes left, but uh, um, Will, uh, I asked Will, you know, how he thought the Green Dragon was doing, but I wanted, I'd like an official account from you. How is our Green Dragon doing? Our Green Dragon is doing just fine. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> all on, uh, on Saturday night, Sunday morning. By, uh, by coming in in third. So they, were, they finished on the podium, which, you know, to be truthful, um, the, the dragon really wasn't, uh, wasn't built for the weather conditions that, that they experienced. And uh, about 24 hours out, the gra- dragon was languishing in last place. And then as they got closer to Galway, um, kind of 12, 10, 6 hours out, the news started to filter tr- through that they were going to either do second or third. So we came in third, just behind Puma, and only with, I think, four miles 
in, in between them. So in terms of a sailing race, that's a photo finish. Wow, wow. And, and you know, some people may be wondering about the name The Green Dragon. The, the yacht is actually an Irish-Chinese uh, collaboration. Yes. Hence the name Green Dragon. It was built in China, and during the build process, um, I guess, as all Irish people do, they got to know their, their host, and uh, that uh, translated into a, a very unique Irish-Chinese sponsorship deal. And um, what a perfect name. <laughs> so. I like it. It's quite catchy, actually. And I expect that the Green Dragon, uh, when, when, when it leaves uh, the shores of Ireland, when it leaves Galway, it's going to do actually quite well and may surprise us all at the end of the day. And um, I know that the, when do they leave and where do they go next, the boats, they leave, the ships? They leave on, on Saturday, the 6th of June, so Saturday week. And they're going to a place called Marstrand in Sweden. And it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's a relatively short stop over there. Uh, just a few days, and then they hop on to Stockholm, and then they uh, have another short uh, journey to St. Petersburg, where the race actually finishes around about the end of June, I think it's the 28th or the 29th. So um, this is really the last big stopover of the race. Now, Marie, I am curious. What are what are people saying about the event in Galway? It's 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 one of these things that is a real jewel in uh, Galway's crown and it's 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 a it's a unique once once in a lifetime type of thing uh that uh that can occur so i'm i'm just curious what are the what are the locals and what are the visitors saying people are just blown away i mean we always expected that we would blow the visitors away if we, if i can be so uh, so how would you say so cocky as to say so but um it, Galway does a lot of very big events like Galway Races and the Galway Art Festival and so standards are very high with the local audience that we were far more worried about but the sheer upsurge of pride that this event has brought to such a tiny place in such difficult times it's really palpable, palpable. on the streets you cannot go anywhere without you know it is it is the only topic of conversation there's an election going on here um (laughs) yeah you guys have a lot going on and and i can hear in your voice you're a little bit hoarse you've probably been out there uh celebrating right in your in your employment capacity (laughs) as a festival director but uh but uh, we thank you so much, Maria, for joining us to today, and and uh, and we look forward to hearing the end results of our Green Dragon in just a, a couple of weeks. But thank you so much for joining us today, and um, we are going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to explore Ireland's uh, cultural and uh, contributions to the arts. You're listening to the Traveling on Radio Show with Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we'll see you on the other side of this break. Whether you're traveling by plane, train, or automobile, make TravelingOn.com your first stop. At TravelingOn.com, that's TravelIn-On.com, you can get current travel news and information, buy the latest travel book, and find those great travel bargains. Visit TravelingOn.com, your premier source for all things travel. That's TravelIn-On.com, and make sure to sign up for email specials and tune into the Traveling On radio show each week for a chance to win some great travel prizes. 
Every hour of every day, an American is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. MS typically strikes between the ages of 16 and 50 when people are building careers and raising families. Today, there is no known cause or cure for MS. To learn more about this unpredictable disease, to volunteer, or to make a contribution to this important mission, please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS. You can make a difference by helping us stop this devastating disease. Please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS today. Thank you. The best in Internet talk radio. A mind-bendingly ingenious plan to control the universe. We're building the best Internet talk radio on the planet. TalkZone.com Let's return to the Travelin' On Radio Show on TalkZone.com And welcome back, everybody. You're just listening to a quick clip from um, our featured CD this month uh, from Futamaya World Music called Quebec, the uh, music of Quebec. And uh, you're joining us with uh, Johnny and Ian Fitzpatrick with um, our our special co-host today, Will Collins from Ireland, who is probably on his second glass of wine by now or or third at this point. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and, uh, now we're welcome. We're happy to welcome our uh, our third guest, Damien O'Brien, who is the cultural and arts officer with Falte Ireland, the country's national tourism office. And he joins us, of course, from Ireland, probably with Guinness in hand as well, to talk about the wonderful, rich uh, cultural and, and uh, artistic offerings of the country. Damien, welcome. Hi, good afternoon. Good after well, good afternoon, good after good evening. I think uh, on your end, you know, I've been talking a lot about how um, Ireland to me is is a country surprises. I mean, it's really what we say here in America, a really deep country. There's there's so much there, and um, one of the things I was surprised to learn is that Ireland is actually the home of the first national theater in the world, the Abbey. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, well, the Abbey Theatre in Dublin is the, na- the first national theatre in the world. It was established in 1904 by the Nobel laureate um, William Butler Yeats and his friend Lady Gregory. And um, ever since, they've been producing fantastic world-renowned theatre, not only in Ireland, but also around the world. Mm, and, and, and actually, you know, speaking of, of theatre, I mean, I, when I lived in London, one of the things that I enjoyed uh, were um, the affordable theatre tickets and you know in comparison to to Broadway here and and even Washington DC where prices are somewhat prohibit, prohibitive uh, particularly at this time in our uh, nation's economy but um, but theater is uh, is for those visit, visiting and even for you know those uh, residents of Ireland it's it's really a nice affordable evening out absolutely the great thing about theater in Ireland is that um, it is very accessible and you know, a normal uh, price theatre ticket is about 15 euro, perhaps 20 euro, um, which compared to the West End of London or certainly to Broadway um, is very, very affordable. And at the same time, the quality of theatre is really, really good. So you're getting a world-class production for, you know, relatively little. 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Ireland's um, many, many festivals. And, Will, I want to bring you in for a second. You told us about a really unique festival that maybe some in our listening audience would be very interested in hearing about. its um, I don't remember the name of it, but I called it the Matchmaking Festival, where the <laughs> farmers come down to seek wives. Tell us tell us about that. Uh, yes, uh, uh, and uh, Tanya, the... Um the um, Liston Varna Matchmaking Festival has grown over the years to become known as Europe's largest singles festival, um, which I, that's probably something you would say the world's largest singles festival, but uh, it ties into our traditions um, in matchmaking, which relates back into um, marriage of years ago. And we've written a lot about our marriage in Ireland, and, and Damien will agree with me there on the works of J.B. Keane and, and um uh, he's written about matchmaking as well, as well worth looking into. But uh, yes, in Listunvarna, every September, um, all the hotels fill up. It's a little spa town that was established in the 1850s following a, a young boy out hunting rabbits. He discovered a pungent smell coming from the ground. Of course, it was the sulfur springs, which, of course, are known for their medicinal qualities. And out of that grew um, a sort of a Victorian um, village, which uh, was, was, was basically dominated by small hotels uh, to attract people to come and look after their, their ailments uh, by drinking the water and bathing in the water and having massages. And that, and that grew into this environment becoming noted for a meeting place then for people um, the fathers in search of um, of husbands for their daughters and possibly, you know, the, the proper suitors uh, that would have the right land and the right background and education and that. And that grew into then the, what we very much tongue-in-cheek today, uh, even though it is uh, the, the official name of the, the List in Varna Matchmaking Festival, but it is one of the best best weekends or weeks that any of your listeners would ever spend. It's, uh, whether you're married or you're not, or looking for somebody or not, it doesn't matter. It's just really, really fun. The, but it's about finding husbands and finding wives. Yeah, the phone's, the phone's ringing off the hook right now for more information. <laughs> now, Damien, one of the things that we came to appreciate during our uh, stay in Ireland is that uh, the music. It's such an important part of Irish life and whether it's on display in, in uh, the local pubs in various towns and villages across Ireland or on uh, big megaplex stages in, in some of the great cities like uh, Killarney, music is big in Ireland. Talk to us about, uh, about its cultural influence and, 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 and how now that's kind of influencing folks all over the world. We certainly know of you, you two here, but there are a lot of other groups who who are making an impact on the international music scene. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> um, music is very much, I suppose, the heartbeat of Ireland. And, um, you know, there really is something here for everyone. Um, I suppose from traditional music kind of rooted in our history and our culture, which most people can experience, you know, in pubs all across the land. And then obviously onto stadiums and, um, you know, major rock concerts and U2 and the Corps have been great exponents and great ambassadors for Irish music around the world, you know. So it is very much part of Irish life and very much part of Irish um, lifestyle as well. And and then, of course, you know, there's the literature. And another interesting thing that I, 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 I uh, read was that Dublin is actually bidding for UNESCO uh, designation as a um, world city of literature. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's something that we're working on um, at the moment, I suppose, Given, you know, our background with, with our Nobel laureates and our various different writers, it's something that we really feel is a kind of a unique, you know, drawing point or unique selling point to getting visitors to Ireland to come and experience the city of James Joyce and Oscar Wilde and 
um, all of the great writers that have, have, I suppose, enriched the English language with, with their work. So we're bidding at the moment to get Dublin recognised as the UNESCO City of World Literature. Um, and it's something we're very excited about. And, and, and then there's something about uh, the book Dracula. There's, it's, t- tell us about that correlation between Dublin, um, Dublin's initiative and uh, Dracula. That's right. Um, it's probably a little-known fact, but um, Dracula was actually written by a Dublin-born author called Bram Stoker. And um, the City Council here in Dublin, um, along with the City Libraries, have initiated a programme every year called One City, One Book. And it's an, it's an effort, really, to get people collectively and individually to read one book at a particular uh, point in their lives. And um, every year there's been a different book. Last year it was Jonathan Swift's um, Gulliver's Travels. This year it's actually Dracula. And it's, it's more than just, I suppose, an individual thing where everybody reads a particular book. There's lots of events happening around the city. Um, one, of the, one of the best ones uh, recently was in St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, which is this amazing Gothic medieval cathedral. Um, there was a performance of um, organ music at night and readings from Dracula in, in darkness was just by candlelight. And it was incredibly atmospheric. And uh, it's, I suppose, our way of bringing a lot of literature to life. And it's been incredibly successful. We're very proud of it. Now, is there a castle at all, a Dracul castle? I, I visited a couple, well, one, I suppose, in, in Romania. But, but uh, since Bram Stoker was, a, uh, was an Irishman, I'm just wondering if there's any, uh, any architecture there that, <laughs> that, that also honors his character. Absolutely. We have castles the length and breadth of Ireland. Um, probably not as dramatic or as gothic as what you may have imagined in Transylvania or certainly in the movies, but we, we have a lot of castles in Ireland. And with a little bit of imagination, any one of them could have been Dracula's castle. <laughs> well, when we come back, make sure that that's not one we stay at, okay? <laughs> Lots of ghosts in Ireland as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure after a few... Uh, pints of Guinness and a few hot whiskeys. You you see a lot of uh, a lot of ghosts and, yeah, and, and other yeah. other uh, interesting things. But um, Damien, thank you so much for for joining us uh, this evening. Thank you for for staying up late to uh, to share about the cultural and and uh, offerings of uh, of uh, one of our favorite countries in the world, Ireland. And uh, Will, we'll be back with you in a second. Uh, we're going to take our final break and. Uh, back and then continue our conversation about Ireland and get into some of those sporting traditions yeah. in Ireland as well. There's a, there's a rich sporting heritage and Will is a great spokesperson for much of that. So. Well, Will, Will's a great spokesperson for everything. He knows yeah. it all. So <laughs> you're listening to the Traveling On Radio Show with Tanya Nee and Fitzpatrick and we'll see you on the other side of this break. Looking for the latest travel book, the hottest item in travel gear and clothing? Or are you researching a destination or looking into the most current travel regulations or warnings? If so, visit TravelinOn.com, your one-stop shop for travel resources. At TravelinOn.com, that's Travel-N-On.com, you can get the latest travel news and information and shop for all of your travel needs. TravelinOn.com is your premier source for all things travel. That's Travel-N-On.com. What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? If you did the unexpected? Would you feel scared? Proud? Relieved? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? 
or assisting an entrepreneur in Ukraine to launch her small business, or creating a support group in Malawi for children orphaned by AIDS? What if you established your own path, one that others might follow? Would you rather make your own way, or spend your life saying, "What if life is calling? How far will you go?" Peace Corps. To find out more, call one eight hundred four two four eight five eight zero. I go to peacecorps.gov. You've discovered TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. This is the Traveling On Radio Show on TalkZone.com. That sounds kind of Gaelic. It does, indeed, indeed. And it's actually a good uh, segue for us as we uh, pick up with our good friend Will Collins, uh, uh, better known as the uh, man who can tell us everything you ever wanted to know about Ireland and then some. The guru of Ireland. The guru, uh, <laughs> uh, so to speak. And uh, uh, I, I owe a lot to Will from our time there because uh, he uh, he really helped me to appreciate uh, Guinness and all of its uh, wonderful uh, pleasures, particularly <laughs> as a, a breakfast of champions. And uh, 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 we, will, uh, we will kind of elaborate on that. But, Will, in our final minutes with you, I want to talk about sport and part of uh, that aspect of Irish culture because uh, unlike so many countries out there, Ireland has, uh, has really sought to preserve its uh, it's it's special sports the the sports that have defined its towns and its culture and I want to want to talk to you about that we've we've certainly heard you talk about golf but there are a lot of sporting traditions and games that are unique to Ireland like Gaelic football and and there's a, a federation the uh, Gaelic Athletic Association that pretty much is committed to preserving these sports talk to us about uh, the unique place of sport in Irish culture? Well, yes, Ian, I mean, uh, we Irish, I don't know, we, we possibly invented football, um, even though that could be possibly disputed by half a dozen countries worldwide, but Gaelic football is one of the oldest football games in the world, and you can see where rugby has uh, possibly been influenced by it, certainly American football and Australian rules, Aussie rules as we call them, mm-hmm. been influenced by Irish communities developing in, in, in both the US and Australia and around the world, you know, bringing their Gaelic football and developing into other types of sports, but we have Gaelic football and hurling, both of which um, operate under the auspices of the Gaelic Athletic Association, the GAA, which is very much a grassroots association here in Ireland, um, established uh, more than 100 years ago in the heart of the country and um, in a place called Turles. Um, the GAA has done a wonderful job of maintaining what is an amateur sport at its core, but yet um, operating under highly professional um, um, uh, conditions, if you like, within the, the training regimes of the players, the competitiveness on the field. You must 
remember, you know, you look at a lot of big sporting um, um, uh, events around the world, money is a big part of it. But in the GA, mm-hmm. money is not a big part of it. The money gets pumped back into the organization and it filters down then into the grassroots, the families and the, the communities that benefit from the GA and the work it does in those communities and keeping those communities very tightly knit together. So here in Ireland, one of the greatest honours any Irishman could ever wish for would be to play Gaelic football or the other sport we have, hurling, uh, to play that for their county in an All-Ireland final. It's a dream of every Irishman. Only a few have got to realise. But you'll see an amateur sport being played in front of 80,000 people in the packed stadium of Croke Park in Dublin on All-Ireland semi-finals or final days. And that just gives you an idea of an amateur sport that has just lived through the the, the years as in the, the core sport of this country. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think is so remarkable about uh, sport and games. It's it's just just how uh, how huge some of these uh, traditions are when when we think about here in the states and, and and we spoke about this with you about the Super Bowl and just how huge that is. But uh, Ireland has its own. Super Bowl as well, just as you kind of alluded to, that uh, is 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 incredibly uh, uh, potent in the uh, culture and in the mindset of folks to draw eighty thousand people, particularly in a country that's that has only you know a little more than four million people, is just remarkable. And I think that that just speaks to that uh, passion that uh, the Irish have have for their sport. And you know, sorry, Tonya. No, no, go ahead, Will. Yeah, no, I was just, just uh, relating to it. It is a passionate game. And the fact that it's so deeply ingrained in our history as well and in, in who we are, what identifies us as a people, uh, makes it even more passionate. So it's kind of a very interesting sport that has survived the test of time. And yes, it has shrugged off all the commercialism and everything that goes with sports and maintained its core value of being an amateur sport aimed at the communities of the country. Now, now, one of the things that you kind of touched on is is just just how Gaelic football has influenced so many other games, such as rugby. And just this past week, uh, the Heineken Cup championships uh, were won by the Leinster Lions, the first time in their history. And this was a huge victory, not just for them, but but for Ireland. Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, Ireland is divided into four provinces, um, Ulster in the north, Munster uh, here in the south, uh, to the east you have Leinster, and to the west you have Connacht, and each one has its own rugby team, um, which plays, uh, uh, they compete for that in the Heineken Cup and what's known as the Magnus League every year. The last number of years we've watched Munster, my own home province here, uh, dominate as said, with massive support here in the south as well, but brought massive um, um, pride to Ireland because when Munster or when Leinster are playing, the whole country gets behind them. It's not just something that, uh, that you know, it, 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 you're divided by the fact that you come from a different, uh, um, a different province. It's the pride that winning it uh, brings because we're competing with the rest of Europe, not just with teams within Ireland, it's with the rest of Europe. So Europe's best against the Irish. And so far uh, in the last couple of years, Irish rugby is at uh, one of the most incredible phases of its history with uh, our provincial teams um, winning the top prizes like Leinster did last weekend. And they did it against the odds, by the way. They were not favourites to win that match, but they took their hearts out there and played with their hearts. And um, our Irish captain, Brian O'Driscoll, played a stormer on the day. He's also the captain of the national team, and it was his influence this year that led Ireland uh, for the first time in, in, in almost 60 years to win the uh, the Six Nations Championship, where we, we, we basically came out tops against uh, England, Scotland, Wales, France, 
Italy. Um, it's the six, six mm. main countries playing in it, and um, we beat them all, basically. Um, took all the prizes this year, so Irish rugby is at a place at the moment where I think many rugby supporters in the country um, probably would have only dreamed of in the past, you know, so we're really enjoying good times at the moment here. Yeah, and in fact, um, uh, John uh, uh, Gormley, uh, the leader of the Green Party and the British media, have been really singing the praises of, of the team. So congrats to you guys on that. Now, we only have a couple of minutes left, and I just want to circle back real quickly um, to, to golf, if I may. Um, I, I chuckled when you said that, you know, uh, football started in, in Ireland or rugby started in Ireland, but... Um, uh, uh, you guys also said that golf possibly started in Ireland, and I think the Scots might contest that a little bit. But with with given that, why why if you can tell us in about thirty seconds or so, why was golf considered at one point to be a threat to national defense? Sorry, Tanya, say that again, please. I, I believe you told us at one point um, there that that golf was uh, considered as a threat to um, uh, Ireland's national defense. Yeah, not necessarily Ireland's, but all of the British Isles. When Ireland was ruled by a British king, I think it was James the first who who decreed that um, golf was interfering with the practice of archery and therefore was a, a threat to national defense. Aha, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. okay. I've written in Ireland as a tour guide over the years, and it's one of the very interesting little anecdotes. I came across along my, my travels over time but you can understand why if everybody's playing golf instead of looking after their archery skills you know yeah. you'll be leaving yourself exposed <laughs> <laughs> well it looks like that golf won out but <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us you know and as I said there's just no way we could have we could have covered uh, you know uh, more um, in in this uh, this hour and we we have to have you back on the show to talk about other regions of of the country and uh, certainly appreciate you taking the time with us uh, this evening and we thank our listening audience for joining us today and we look forward to seeing you guys on Facebook and Twitter and certainly on air next week and until then we'll see you uh, on the same frequency, same time and until then, happy travels happy travels Brownsworldtravel.com is the premier internet travel destination, offering you the best travel values for all your travel needs. Not only can you book the basics in travel, such as flights, rental cars, and hotels, but think of us when you're planning a cruise. A complete vacation package, registering for your honeymoon, or searching for those last-minute travel deals. Unlike the other online booking sites, BronzeWorldTravel.com does not compromise customer service. Backed by a team of seasoned travel professionals and a nationally rated agency, at BronzeWorldTravel.com there is always someone available to answer your questions. We have so many great travel deals that you'll make us your first choice when it comes to travel. Visit BronzeWorldTravel.com today and discover the best values in travel. That's B-R-O-N-Z-E WorldTravel.com. BronzeWorldTravel.com, where we celebrate life through travel.